Welcome to Weekly Neurosis. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome into Weekly Neurosis. Uh, this is Nate. This is Ethan. And we are doing our best of 2015 episode. This is our kind of first special, Yeah, I would say. A little bit more laid back, not as much structure going on, just kind of hanging out. We're just going to talk and do whatever we want for the next hour, hour and a half. But, but we do have beer to we drink. We do have a beer, in, in addition to some other stuff, so why don't you crack that bad boy? Sure, so what we got here today, we got a, you know, we got a nice bomber here from uh, Three Sheeps Brewery, and it is called Hoppy Spice Imperial Pale Ale, and it's infused with ghost peppers. Which is, isn't that the hottest it used to be is that there's think, another one it's like the carolina reaper is the hottest now jesus but yeah this is you know i've had a couple of beers brewed with pepper before and only a couple of them have actually been spicy but this one's brewed with ghost pepper so i'm a little a little freaked out about it but uh you know i like spicy stuff and i like beer so i mean could be worse doesn't but yeah, smell overly spicy. No, it doesn't. But yeah, Three Sheeps, uh, this is, like I said, it's a 22-ounce bottle. Uh, this was actually the last one on the shelf when I got it. I just had to get it because mm -hmm. I'm kind of fascinated by beers brewed with ghost pepper, or any pepper, really. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that's what we're going to be drinking. Everybody nice. look it up. Hopefully we like it here. Hopefully we're not coughing. And, and this is a Wisconsin brewery, isn't it? Three Sheeps? Or where are they from? I don't know. Let me look in this here bottle. Small batch, 2015, 11.2% alcohol. Good lord. It is, yes, brewed and bottled in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Sheboygan. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because they have an IPA that I like called Really Cool Water Slides. That's an awesome name. Which for is an beer. awesome name for a beer. And yeah, this they've had the. I actually had another one of theirs. I actually complained about it on a previous show that had ghost peppers in it, and I was like, dying. Like I'm I had gonna, to drink milk and beer. I'm so gonna take a sip of this. See what it happens. Oh, you go first. Yeah, you can, we do talk, it together? you can watch me as I take a sip and, and tell just, the folks what my reaction is like. That was the last time we ever saw Ethan. Hmm. It's not really spicy. It's maybe, not spicy at all. Maybe it'll set in, but I really, it's not, I mean, it's definitely got the pepper kind of, because ghost peppers kind of have a more, <clears throat> more of a, um, smoky type flavor to them and maybe that comes through a little bit on this but yeah, i don't i didn't get spicy at all yeah huh it kind of just tastes like a like a pale ale with more of or i mean just a regular ipa you maybe get a little bit of a hint of it maybe it's all sitting at the bottom of the bottle or something there's just a ghost pepper down there i don't want to steal i don't want to be disproportionate it doesn't taste like um overly boozy either usually I feel like and i feel like i'm making up that there is a spice i feel like it's not there no, I really don't taste any spice no. in it at all. I'll cap this boy off. Huh. Interesting. Well, that's our, our beer of the day for the best of 2015 yeah. episode here. So just to give you an overview, what we're going to do is we're going to go over our top or our personal favorite albums and movies. Uh, first with albums, we're going to do a top five of R&B, electronic, hip-hop, and then original scores from movies. Um, then we're going to do our top 10 albums as well. Mm -hmm. Just overall. Overall. And then um, when we go into the movies, I'm going to do the top five documentaries that I, I was my personal favorite. You were doing the top five horror movies. Horror movies of 2015. And then we're going to do a total list of our top 10 movies of the year. Mm -hmm. And again, this is not partial we're just these are just our personal preferences what we sure. think is the top five we can never be totally objective 
<clears throat> these are our picks for our favorites of all these, and certainly things will be left out that some people think should be on the lists and vice versa. Uh, but yeah, these are you know what our picks are. So hopefully everybody understands that, doesn't get upset if we don't like the same movies. And I'm sure me and you won't agree on everything here. No, so. definitely not. We'll definitely... Um, as we go through these too, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff on all these lists that not everybody has necessarily heard of. <clears throat> so we can, um, I mean, we can, we'll explain everything a little bit and go into it and discuss things. And this was kind of more of a free flowing kind of hangout type episode. So yeah. yes, indeed. Well, should we just get right into it? Yeah. Why not? All right. So I first have the top five R and B albums that were my personal preferences so at number five, I have Alicia Cara, I believe is how it's pronounced, Know It All. Um, it's kind of a more of a poppy R&B album, but I just I think she's a very gifted vocalist. That's why I dropped her into the top five. Okay. Um, number four, I had Janet Sullivan, a reality show. Uh, if you haven't listened to that album, it's like really, you think of an R&B, you think of like love and kind of that whole realm. She's just brutally honest about, about her life. Cool. Um, very direct album. Really liked it. She hasn't released an album for some time. Um, number three was uh, Miguel with Wild Heart, which I, and it was an album I absolutely loved. I've heard that one. That's um, the only one I've heard of these so far. Yeah, I think that uh, <laughs> Simple Things, his song is mm -hmm. like one of the best, one of my favorite songs out of, out of the, the batch this year. Um, number two, I have D'Angelo and the Vanguard, Black Messiah, which to me was one of the weirdest R&B albums it almost borders on jazz, uh, but he produces these almost like hooks in, in his songs that are so, it, it just kind of gets you into it. Um, they're really rhythmic. And then the top R&B album, I had to give it to him, was The Weeknd, yeah. uh, Beauty Behind the Madness, because it, to me, that entire album is, is very, very catchy. He does a great job of keeping you interested. And I, I want to say out of the, I think it was 14 or 15 tracks, there's about 10 of them that I was left like wanting to hear again. Yeah. And I wanted to hear the production value on it is really, really high. Um, and a lot of people think it's more pop than R&B, but I think he's, you said it before, kind of the modern Michael Jackson. Well, yeah, and I, th and I agree with that. That would be my pick for best R&B album too, just because it's just, from front to back, it's such a great album. And he even just vocally sounds like Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. He doesn't necessarily have a big booming voice that fills up a room, but it's very precise and it's on point and it's more of a high-pitched uh, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I, I like him a lot. Yeah, and I really didn't, honestly, I didn't have any honorable mentions. Um, everything else was a little bit too, I don't want to know how to say it, kind of predictable. A lot of the same, you know, heavy, heavy sexual content, heavy, just yeah. really predictable, the same thing you've been seeing all along. So this genre, I was mainly looking for what was kind of different. Sure. Who was setting themselves apart? And I think The Weeknd really set himself apart. I think D'Angelo and The Vanguard definitely set themselves apart. For sure. So that is my top five for the R&B genre. That's a good list there. There's a couple of things I'm going to have to check out. Yeah. And I think that the most heat I'll get is for Alicia Cara because it's a, it's a pretty poppy album. Uh, but she's I think she's a really gifted artist. Cool. So I've cool. never heard of her. Yeah. Okay, well, I have I have compiled here the top five electronic albums of 2015, which is to say a lot of different, I guess, types of music could actually fit in, in the word electronic, electronica, uh, EDM, IDM, stuff like that. So, Even some alternative. 
probably yeah. could get. Even some pop music, I yeah. think, could fit in this genre. But uh, So I picked my, my top five here, and I'll start this by saying that I like weird music, so a lot of these albums on this list aren't necessarily <clears throat> uh, things like Skrillex or anything. While I appreciate that, I don't, it doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Okay, so my number five on my top electronic albums of 2015 is Jalin Dark Energy, and this is or spelled J-L-I-N, is the name, name of the artist. And it's a very kind of sparse, quiet, almost like a horror movie soundtrack type thing where there's not necessarily a lot of flow between the songs, but they're very dark and heady. Um, if you just look this album up, the cover art kind of gives you the feeling of the album, the music itself. It's a really interesting album. Not necessarily something you'd put on at a party, certainly, but mm -hmm. a really interesting album. <clears throat> um, number four on here, this is probably the most quote-unquote mainstream, most noticeable one on here, and it's Jamie XX in color, which there was actually yep. quite a few singles that were pretty popular from this, and it was actually really, really highly regarded by a lot of uh, critics. Uh, I, I believe there was a I mean, there's a lot of... Um, um, famous voices and stuff on here. Yep. One, one such as Young Thug makes an appearance. Rapper Young <laughs> Thug makes an appearance on a song. It's actually pretty good. But no, the, the album itself is really good. It's a very catchy album that flows front to back, like, astonishingly well. Mm -hmm. It's one of those albums where if you're listening to it and you're not necessarily looking at the, the song changes, you won't know when one ends and one begins. All the, it's, not, it's not like that the whole way, but it's a really good album. It's more upbeat. It's more poppy. It's really, really good stuff, though. Um, number three is a group called The Orb and their album Moon Building 2703 AD. And these guys are more of an ambient electric, uh, electronic dance music type group where it kind of has that backbone of EDM where there's a beat and some of it you could probably dance to, but it's way too wacky and quiet and just slow paced and heady and there's kind of this weird narrative. So is it kind of like house music? Kind of. kind of. But a little bit... Sure. More off the beaten path. Definitely. Because okay. oh. I, I think the song, I mean, the songs are like 10, 13, 14 minutes nice. long on this thing. Nice. Uh, it's really excellent, though. It's one that I really can put on and kind of get lost in because it's just so layered and there's so much going on. And I've heard some people kind of, this is probably higher up than some other people said because I think a lot of people um, who are into electronic music kind of found it maybe a little bit samey for the ambient genre, but I really liked it. I was really surprised with how good it was. Uh, so that was my number three. And then number two on here is Arcs with his album Mutant. And this is a just a crazy album. It's insane. Uh, this is the kind of electronic music I really like that is totally all over the place. A lot of people would listen to it and even question if it was music or not because it's so noisy. It's so experimental. It's so wacky. But uh, I really was blown away by this album. And it has terrifying album art. It's like this devil, like a red devil with these giant horns. But it's all deformed and weird looking and yeah. all the album all the songs in the album are like single words like sinner and stuff like that it's just it's a crazy album it's really hard to describe and it just gets to me it's a little long maybe but it comes around in the end and there's just so much going on in it that i really appreciate that ambition but my number one electronic album of 2015 was uh, one otrix point never yep. and his album garden of delete which kind of like arcs is just insane it's experimental it's totally heady it's nothing else sounds like it and to me for you would play this for a lot of people and it would be like what is this this isn't real music but to me that's kind of what i like about it i like that it's doing he's doing things on this album and this is his seventh album under the name one of which point never 
oh, he's doing things on here that have never been done before. You could, there, some tracks would be like, okay, I could hear, I could imagine somebody rapping over this, but then it will just jump into something totally insane where there's weird pauses, weird sounds just going everywhere, and it's, it's just an amazing, amazing album. Uh, so that would be my number one. And I did have a couple honorable mentions, and these were more albums that were more poppy to me, so they didn't fit. And that was uh, Purity Rings album, Another Eternity, hmm. which I really enjoyed, but that's more of a pop album, I yeah. think. Uh, Bjork's album, Volnakura, which whenever she releases an album, it seems to just get critical praise everywhere. And there, she's just hard for me to get into, but I do think this one is, was one of her better albums. But... Uh, didn't wasn't quite good enough for me to put in my top five, and then also Disclosure's new uh, newest album, Caracal, which wasn't as good as their first one, mm -hmm. but was still I thought pretty good, and again more of a poppy kind of album, really worth listening to. So, yeah, and I actually you just mentioned One O Tricks Point Never to me I think after the last episode, mm -hmm. and I actually was listening to him this, and it is that that music is unique to anything, mm -hmm. like there's no one else that's really doing that. And it's really, it's really interesting. It gets you thinking, I have to say, which is a compliment when you think about, you know, music as a, as a whole. So. Yeah, and I think electronic music in general is a place now where there's a lot of experimenting going on because so much pop music and rap is so electronic already in nature that um, this is where a lot of the experimentation is going on in this genre. And people like One of Tricks Point Never is really pushing the boundaries uh, on what this kind of music can sound like. Okay, well, awesome. Mm -hmm. Those are all, again, good albums. I think I, I would venture to say I think every album we're going to mention is on Apple Music, Spotify. Mm -hmm. The only one I mentioned that you probably would have trouble finding is Jalin, Jalin's album, Dark Energy. That's on Bandcamp is where I okay. found it. Okay. Um, but, yeah. All right. Well, awesome. Well, on to the, uh, the hip-hop genre that, uh, that I covered, and I will say this was really, it was really hard. I've never really done this before, ranked albums one on top of the other, and hip-hop's my, my favorite genre, but I'll dive right into it. Uh, number five, I had Drake. If you're reading this, it's too late. Um, something about this album for me, it was totally different. With all of his previous albums, I've always felt like it's a you know a 10 or 12 track album, and then there's like two or three songs that were intentionally put on there because they're hits. Mm -hmm. And there's always kind of this differential. Uh, but this one, to me, it was more more pure and he does get into a lot of like dissing and, and stuff like that where he's talking about other rappers but still I, I felt that that was one of the top five um, number four was Earl Sweatshirt I don't like shit I don't go outside I think Earl is the most kind of along the 10 tricks point never route where he's no one else is really doing what he's doing mm -hmm. um, totally downtrodden I don't think anyone else could pull pull off what he's doing better yet um, heck of an album live in concert I think we interesting. We we learned that, but um, number three is Dr. Dre Compton. Okay. Um, I think this was the best produced album it's of under, the year. I think this, that's an underrated album. Yeah, too. and it's it got a it didn't get a lot of praise because I think people were like, oh, he's done this before, but in reality, he delivers that West Coast feel better than anyone else. There's a story that kind of goes through it as well, um, but really, and the guest list on this album is is insane. Um, and it he, is. It uses it to amplify it versus... And one thing I'll say with that album, when Snoop Dogg comes in on some of the tracks, he's in like, where was that guy hiding? Because he's mm -hmm. like fierce and scary in, in, in the songs he's in. And he's, yep. We're so used to hearing Snoop Dogg just laid back and hanging out. And this, he's just on fire. It's crazy. Yep. I love that. Um, number two then that I had was Vince Staples, Summertime 06. 
I think this was just a hair away from my, my top album. Um, but he kind of came out of nowhere. This album wasn't really highly, you know, repped. You didn't hear about it. But then when it came out, it was like, oh my, my God, you know, his just top to bottom really good. Kind of a long, he, he kind of broke off from, from Earl Sweatshirt and that whole Wolfgang crew. And he's kind of doing his own thing now. Again, got a very unique sound. Well, when we saw when we saw Earl Sweatshirt, he opened for him. Yep. And that was before he released this album, so it was kind of weird. I remember when this album came out, and we were both like, "What the hell?" Yep. Because we didn't really know much about him when we saw the guy. And I believe he performed when we saw him live, "Lift Me Up," but I don't recall him saying, "This is from my new album." He just said, "You want to hear some new music?" And he played this song. So, I think he's a very, very underrated rapper, but he's starting to get a lot of attention, which is good because I think he's he's really gifted. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, really close, but my number one album was Kendrick Lamar to Pimp a Butterfly. Um, I don't think anyone at top to bottom, everything with this album is, is good. Um, uh, I really couldn't pick out any negatives. This is probably as close to a 10 as, as I could find. Mm. Um, but it just, for some reason it just gripped me because it's such a unique song. He, it's, it's uniquely him. Um, I also saw him in concert this past year, which was a really, really good, um, I've heard some people really rag on this album recently, too, mm-hmm. and saying it's overrated or it's getting too much attention. And I think a lot of the criticism stems from the fact that he is one of the most famous hip-hop artists and just artists in general alive. And for somebody to release an album like To Pimp a Butterfly, which is almost completely devoid of singles or music that you know would be good at a club, I think that's really jarring for some people because mm-hmm. the album is really meant... To be a front to back listen. Yep. And he does crazy things. They do crazy things on the album with production and all the jazz influences and all the stuff that goes into it. I just think it's too. It's I. I don't want to sound like high flute in here, but I think it's just too smart for a lot of people mm-hmm. in a genre that doesn't necessarily uh, ask a whole lot of its listeners sometimes. Yeah. And he just again front to back. It's it's just perfect. But if you look at his previous album, I don't like to look at artists in terms of their previous works and then compare it to the next one, but. Mm-hmm. This, the leap he made from Good Kid, Mad City to this album, it's like, whoa. You know, what what went on here that caused this? But right. really good album front to back. Um, I, I could listen to this album any day. Yeah, that's a great album for sure. Awesome. So original scores? Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll go into the original scores of 2015. And this is like an impossible task to really kind of sort this up just because a score can be so many different things in different movies. So these were really the top five scores for me that not only worked in terms of, you know, how they fit with the movie, but how I can listen to them uh, outside of it and maybe think of the make, you know, make, they make me think of the movie or make me think of other things too. And I think scores are the best when they stand on their own. And these were the one, the five that I really was blown away by. So number five, I had um, the score for The Revenant, which was done by Ryuchi Sakamoto, Karsten Nikolai, and Bryce Desner. And we'd mentioned this in our last episode, uh, that the score on this was very kind of skeletal and cold and quiet. Uh, Lots of echoey percussion and, uh, you know, some chanting and stuff like that. It's a very unique album, but it definitely captures that feeling of winter and cold and isolation and uh, survival. And it's not necessarily an uplifting uh, album to listen to. Uh, on its own, but it's really an incredible piece of music that came from three uh, individuals of different backgrounds, and they all contributed to varying degrees, but it's a really awesome piece of music. And at number uh, four, I had Mad Max Fury Road, 
the score done by Junkie XL. This is a very kind of industrial rock, kind of industrial electronica type music that's super, super fast paced and heavy and lots of bass and it's loud and it's it feels unlike The Revenant, which is very kind of quiet and sparse. This is just all in your face, just like the movie is. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really an awesome album and a lot of these songs stand incredibly well on their own uh, but listening front to back it's it really gets you pumped up it's an awesome awesome score um, number two i had ennio morricone's score for the hateful eight which you know again we reviewed this movie and while i wasn't crazy about the movie the score stood out to me during when we were watching the movie but when i listened to it on its own it really blew me away because when i think of ennio morricone his scores i'm thinking how you know uh uh, how the West is won, stuff like that. Really big, grand, old school Western scores. And this has those elements in it, but it's really kind of like The Revenant. It's cold, it's sparse, it's almost like a horror movie soundtrack. There's even cues that he didn't use in his score for uh, John Carpenter's The Thing in the 80s that he recycled here. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really an amazing score. It's getting a lot of award uh, buzz as well, and I can see why. It's very unique and... Uh, for a movie that I thought was going to be different, I think the score is kind of the same way, only it works better for me on its own. Like, I can listen to the score, no problem. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, number two was the sound, uh, was the score for the movie It Follows by Disaster Piece. This is, a, again, an electronic-type album, only this one is very synthesizer-based. It's, you know, 1980s-influenced yeah. synth that's very kind of driving forward, very similar to this, the, the score for the movie Drive, um, super catchy, really creepy stuff on here. Some of it just evokes like the just the creepy terror that 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 that, that movie invokes as well. And it's it's an awesome soundtrack. Not yeah. not one that will lift your spirits by any means, but really an amazing uh, piece of music. It's pretty short too. Uh, that's good though. Uh, so my number one then was uh, the move. This one was a surprise for me that I put this at number one. But honestly, I couldn't think of a score that fit the movie better. Uh, and one that I thought was more unique in terms of the movie it was in. And that was the score for the movie Spotlight, done by Howard Shore. Really? Which was super minimalistic. Very yeah. droney. Lots of just keyboards and, like, kind of quiet, echoey percussion that was just... It just seeps right in. And when I saw the movie, I remember it it, kind of, it fits the tone of the, the movie Spotlight, which is constantly moving forward, introducing plot elements and characters and weaving everything together. And if you listen to the score on its own... It's it's it seems like it would be boring because it's just drones and kind of, it's very sparse but it's just so intense and it's just there's something about listening to this that makes everything seem super intense. Hmm. So I think of all the scores that I heard this year it was the one that was the most unique to me and very strangely fit the tone of the movie because it's really if you were to hear the score before you saw the movie you would probably be maybe a little bit confused as to, wait, wait that's a, in a movie about journalism? Yeah. Because it's a very eerie score, but if you think about the, the su subject matter in the movie Spotlight, it's... it's exceptionally eerie. It is yeah. exceptional. It's very strange. Huh. But those are my top five, and I just quick, I won't go too deep into these, but my honorable mention scores that were real close uh, were John Williams' score for Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Uh, it would have made my top five, but I kind of have to take off some points for it recycling old themes from the old movies, which is totally fine, but I can't put it on a top five if it's kind of, it's not completely original. Uh, also, Johan Johansson's score for Sicario, which we had previously mentioned, very intense as well. Um, Cartel Burwell's score for the movie Carol, which is more of a classical type score. And uh, 
Alexandra Desplat's score for the Danish Girl, which is again very classical, very yeah. kind of old school um, cinema, but uh, very beautiful nonetheless. Yeah. So. And I totally forgot to go over my honorable mentions for hip hop. I know we're totally going out of order. <laughs> I know one of these you'll be interested in, but um, the two honorable mentions that I had was J Rock nine double o nine o o five nine nine double o five nine. And he, the thing is that that's the West Coast LA zip code, I and mean, he delivers the West Coast feel in a very unique way. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of his take on it. He's part of the Black Hippie, I think is what they're called. Okay. Uh, but that's like Kendrick Lamar. Uh, it's Top Dog Entertainment's group. Um, and then also Joey Badass, mm-hmm. uh, Before Da Money, which is B4, the number four, dot, D-A, dot, dollar sign, dollar sign. Um, very good album, really raw. Um, I think, I'm honestly, I'm really excited to see what he does next. I think as he grows and... I will be totally honest with your top five list. I would throw Drake's in the trash and put this one Yeah. I, mean, I do not like Drake at all. He well, does yeah, nothing and, for me. And the thing is, is I don't really like him that much either, but that album, for some reason, was a step in a different direction for okay, him. I but guess. Then, but the thing is, is that in terms of his continuum and his year, I listened to that album, I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually good. And then he releases like these singles, like one after the other after the other. And I was like, dude, you're just, you just lost. I just don't, I, I don't, it's not that I think he's bad. I just don't, I just don't think he's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I don't think his lyrics are interesting. I think he's kind of boring, his sing-songy. I just, I don't know what it is. I've listened to all of his albums multiple times and I just can't get into it. Yeah. But he's super, everybody loves him. So I guess I'm the crazy one. Yeah, but and that's and uh, both of these albums were really close. But yeah, Joey Bad. I'm honestly, I think oh, he has the highest ceiling uh, in addition that. to Vince Staples. Two, I love uh, that two high potentials. But great, great year for for music. Mm-hmm. So, so the top ten. So we can do our top tens. But do you think for this before we do our top tens, should we do our our honorable mentions beforehand? Sure. So we can lead into it and kind of count down. It'll be more exciting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Should we do like, I'll do my 10th, you do your 10th? Yeah, let's do that's, that. That's that's okay. that's good. It might be a little confusing though, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it'll... No, people will be able to follow. Okay, all right. I think. Okay. Hopefully. If not, Sue let us. us know on Facebook <laughs> yeah. if, it, if it's not good. Okay, sure. We should do our honorable mentions first. Sure. Though. I'll just run through it. Like, I'll, I'll just do all my honorable mentions. How about that? Because okay. I'm not going to go into them. All right, so my honorable mentions, these were albums that just barely missed my top ten. These are all worth listening to for sure. Uh, the Weeknd, The Beauty Behind the Madness, Deaf Heaven, New Bermuda, awesome metal band, very unique take on black metal. Uh, my Morning Jacket, their album The Waterfall. They're, just, they're kind of like a southern rock, alternative rock group. It's a really nice album they released this year. Uh, Zibalba, their album Tiara y Libertad, which they are a Mexican uh, metal band, and they are very, very good. Uh, Lightning Bolt, their album Fantasy Empire, they are a really crazy noise rock group, uh, very, very good stuff. And then uh, also Death Grips with their album Jenny Death, which just barely didn't make, just barely got cut out because I loved it, but there was 10 other ones I liked better. And then Joy Badass before The Money, mm-hmm. just barely missed out too. And mine actually was uh, Dr. Dre Compton. Uh, that missed out because I just it, it's not something I really thoroughly enjoy. I liked it a lot, but I wouldn't listen to it on repeat. I gotcha. Um, and Kurt Vile, uh, believe believe I'm going down. Mm-hmm. I think is how you say it. Yep. Um, love this album again though. It just didn't do as much for me as my my top ten. Sure. Um, and then um, that was pretty much it for my honorable mentions. Yeah, Kurt Vile, I liked that his album, but uh, I thought 
the one he released before um, Waking Out in Pretty Days was way better. Mm-hmm. So I was actually kind of disappointed with it, but still good. Yeah, still, solid. still give it a listen. All right, so our top ten. Top ten. I'll go first. Okay. My tenth best album was actually Deaf Heaven Bermuda. I, I absolutely loved this this album. I love their sound. Okay. I kind of thought they continued on from from what they did with Sunbather and sure. a little bit, but it was a little different. But I, I just I listened to this album. I was blown away. Um, and it just kind of stuck with me for a long time. Yeah, that's a great album for sure. All right, so no, my number 10 was Earl Sweatshirt, I Don't Like Shit, I Don't Go Outside. Just an, you know, you'd mentioned it already, just an awesome hip-hop album. Nobody else is doing it like him. A very downbeat, kind of depressing hip-hop, but mm-hmm. uh, great stuff. Uh, my number 9 was Donnie Trumpet and the Social Experiments, Surf. Um, I know some people dropped this into hip-hop. I don't think it was necessarily a hip-hop album, per se. Sure, right. It was so all over the place, but the whole end product was just really unique. And it's more so Chance the Rapper than Donnie Trumpet and the Social Experiment, I think. But mm-hmm. even still, a uh, really great album. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I like that a lot, too. Uh, my number nine was Sun Kill Moon with his album Universal Themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of a... I, what this guy's real name is it's like mark kozel or kozak or something like that he's kind of a weird dude but uh under his name Sunkill moon he releases kind of folky music and yeah. his his album before this benji was like super highly rated and i love that album and i don't think this one's as good as that one but this is a way stranger album it's really long songs he kind of has a weird uh just a what's the word i'm looking for just this kind of a state of mind free flow type of lyrics where he's just kind of ranting and raving his songs will be about almost nothing where he's just explaining what the room he's in looks like it's very strange music but uh i really love this album for some reason i when i first heard it i didn't like it but i just kept listening to it i kept getting drawn back to it and it's one it's got it's one of my favorites of 2015 for sure Uh, my number eight was uh d'angelo and the vanguard black messiah like i said really unique sound um different definitely from anything and the thing about it is, is it just hooks you in when you listen to it um, really good hooks, but it's not really a hook. It's kind of this band sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had to had to drop that in, in the eighth spot. Sure. Uh, my number eight was Vince Staples, Summertime 06. Again, another one we had talked about already. Awesome hip-hop. Uh, he's, this guy's super talented. Can't wait to see what he does next. And it's a du- we should mention it's a double album, too. Yeah. It's yeah. a pretty long album, yep. but it's never boring. Definitely doesn't. Um, my number, we're on seven then, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my number seven was Miguel Wildheart. I think that, like I, like, I just like everything he does, but I still hold him at a pretty high pedestal, and I think that this album is kind of pushing the, the threshold a little bit more. And I didn't mention it before, but he definitely has a different theme than a lot of the, the R&B artists. Um, it's more of an honest um, honest approach to love, which sounds kind of corny, but it honestly is. It's, it's stuff about him kind of going through life, but I dropped that in my, my seven spot. Nice. My number seven was Bob Dylan's newest album, Shadows in the Night. This came out really early in 2015, and I'm a, I mean, Bob Dylan is my all-time favorite musician, so I, maybe I'm biased, because I don't think very many people will have this on their list, but this was an entire album of Frank Sinatra covers. Weird. And uh, the way they recorded this album was he went into the studio and said, I don't want to see any microphones. And you can really tell that the, the, he, they recorded the whole album, quote-unquote, live, as in they didn't necessarily do a lot of over, overdubbing. But uh, it's just a super emotional album. Just a lot of, you know, Frank Sinatra songs. Not his more well-known songs, but super emotional. Bob Dylan just sounds incredible on this album. And I know people give him a lot of heck for 
that being the greatest lyricist, but he just sounds incredible to me here, and it's just, I love it. It's a good short listen, good for kind of a kind of a late night album or something. I really love it. Yeah, it's amazing he's still releasing albums and still kind of pushing the envelope. Too. It's like his 52nd studio Jesus album or something. Christ. Yeah, That is incredible. Uh, for my number six album, I actually had Earl Sweatshirt, I Don't Like Shit, I Don't Go Outside. I think uh, being a huge fan of hip-hop, he's definitely kind of on this island, like I said before. Um, really like what he did with this approach. Again, not, not an album to listen to, though, if you're looking to feel better no. about anything. <laughs> no. But uh, good, good, solid effort from him. Yes, and my number six was Natalie Prass's album. Uh, Natalie Prass, it's her self-titled debut album, and she is a... Uh, singer-songwriter who is has just an amazing voice just she's got a great kind of songbird voice it's very I guess if I could compare it to anybody we've talked about today it would be more along the lines of The Weeknd her music sounds nothing like The Weeknd's mm -hmm. it's very folky and kind of uh, kind of old school in its sound but uh, she's got she's got a quieter voice she doesn't have a big booming voice but she has complete control over what she's got uh, her songwriting on every song in this album is awesome and it's really really good yeah uh, for my number five, I actually had Jamie XX in color. Okay. Um, I think that I listened to a lot of electronic music, and this was one that I saw the cover first. I did distinctly remember this. I saw the cover, and it's that little white cube and this like rainbow thing. Mm -hmm. And it, that's what the album kind of made me feel. Like sure, yeah. it's just so bright. Um, but I think he's a very, very gifted uh, artist. And I think the the guest list again hugely amplifies this album uh, yeah. so much so I put it into my number five spot. Yeah, it's a great album. Uh, no, my number five was One O Tricks Point Never, Garden of Delete. So going, I guess we're both going back to our yeah. my electronic <laughs> list there. But uh, again, you know, just a, a crazy album. To me, just, yeah. just he's doing just stuff that cannot be explained. You really got to hear it. I think a lot of people are going to be either enamored by this guy or just totally hate it. Yeah. It's just so wacky to me. And I, I could listen to the album over and over again because it never sounds like you're listening to the same thing. Yeah. It's crazy. I just, and I just listened to that and I, so I don't remember the names of the tracks. I think it's the second one. Okay. Uh, he does this exquisite job of like building you way up and then just stopping. Mm -hmm. And by stopping, I mean like the sound just stops. It's dead space and then it picks it back up again. And he does this really good job of kind of toying with people like that. He's the kind of music where when you're listening to it, you kind of look at your phone or I have the re the vinyl of this where I was kind of looking at the record like, is my copy messed up? Mm -hmm. Because it'll just do, it's weird. It'll stop. Songs will start and stop, or there'll be weird pauses that have no hint that there was going to be a pause there. It's just totally crazy. Yeah, but it works, which is amazing. Yeah, I think it does. She's an incredible lyricist, mm -hmm. uh, and, and this album is just to the point, and every song on it is so great, uh, and she's got a very thick uh, British accent, which is, it kind of makes her stand out from other singer-songwriters, but uh, just an aw awesome album. And actually, this song... Um, on her this album called Pedestrian at Best is maybe maybe my favorite song of the year, but there's another one from somebody else I haven't mentioned yet uh, who might be that. But hmm. great great album. Interesting, and this is this is kind of merging together. My number three was actually Courtney Barnett. Also, cool. I think as far as a singer songwriter goes, she's the best I've heard in probably five years, roughly. I mean, I think she, I put her on that pedestal. I just like how she's not. She just is who she is, and hmm. kind of. Puts it out there. Sure, yeah. Not the necessarily the best singer, but just kind of she's like oh, yeah. whatever. Yeah, this is what I'm gonna do. All right, so my number three was a, a, a jazz musician named Kamasi Washington with his album The Epic. Yeah. Which this is a three-hour-long jazz album, and it is 
it is bonkers good. It is, and it's not ex necessarily experimental or anything, but he covers a lot of ground on this album from just more modal type jazz stuff. And he's a saxophone player, so that's really the primary thing you hear on this album. But there's also some R&B and some pop and, and stuff like that on this album. But it's just, it's a, I mean, it's called the epic for a reason. This mm -hmm. is a long album. It is three hours. Uh, it's in different, it is in three different parts though. And each one of them technically has a different name, but it is one album. Um, it, it's an it's an amazing thing, but I, I like to listen to albums front to back. So the only issue I have with this is as good as it is, I kind of have to schedule it in because it's three hours long. Yeah. But it's it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And I'll, I'll say that this is the album I've heard. That was the album I've heard the most about and have not listened to yet. Oh, okay. I've just I've heard endless like raves about it. About it. people are just like this is amazing. I didn't know it was three hours long. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. But yeah, truly amazing. Uh, for number two, I actually had Father John Misty, I Love You, Honey Bear. Um, just absolutely loved this album. I think he's he's very unique in what he does, but just front to back, this album gripped me in. Mm -hmm. um, I just, he's really, really gifted. I've been watching, I, if we had an Obsessions episode, I'd probably have him as it. I've been watching like concert footage of him and just yeah. really gifted. Yes, sir. My number two is uh, Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. I uh, can't really say much more about it. It's just a, it's a masterpiece front to back. He's doing stuff in hip-hop that it's never been done before. Mm. And uh, it's politically charged and it's got a lot to say, but it's it's just an amazing thing to hear, too, in terms of the sounds that are covered. And it's an amazing album. I'm sure most people have at least heard of it, though. So yeah. don't know what else to say. <laughs> or listen to I. That's like his one... That's true. Single. Or all right. Yep. Um, and then on to the number one. We should send an award to them of some sort. Uh, but my number one was uh, Kendrick Lamar, Tim Butterfly. Like pretty much everything you said. One thing I, I didn't mention is the ending to this mm -hmm. album. Is Insan like insanity. It's it's insane, but it fits, and it's kind of like this weird thing. He meshes. I think it's interview footage of um, Tupac. Tupac Shakur and him. And he's like asking him questions and the way it ends is just heartbreaking too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But great, great, great album. So and then uh, kind of funny here, my number one is Father John Misty, I love you, honey. Okay. <laughs> I mean, just it was maybe the first album I heard this year that blew me away and nothing topped it to me. Yeah. Just amazing, like you said, just amazing singer, songwriter, rock and roll stuff with he a lot of these songs, if you were to just sit and listen to, you would think you're listening to these romantic ballads and stuff like that but he is a total cynic the lyrics on this album are very very personal and actually yep. kind of awkward uh that he put some of this stuff out there but it's an incredible album and his song on here holy shit is probably other than that courtney barnett song uh it's probably my favorite song of the year one of those two it's just it's an amazing album and, and it's it's got uh, orchestral parts in it it's got rock and roll songs there's kind of one weird electronic song on it it's got folk songs. It's just an amazing album. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible to me. Yep. Incredible. So. And I've, I've since, it kind of, I think it was released like February or in, something. It was like right at the beginning of this year, mm -hmm. like past year. Yep. And yeah, I just remember I hadn't, I think it had been a month since it got released. And I think you told me to listen to it. First, I saw you put something in and I listened to it and it was just amazing. I was blown away. And I was actually supposed to see this guy in concert, but uh, me, me and my wife had tickets to see him but we were lazy and didn't go <laughs> that's a true story we decided not to go at like the last minute but they were cheap tickets so yeah best concert you saw this year that's um, a good one probably mine yeah 
I would probably say the Flaming Lips. I saw them for the second time, or maybe Death Grips. One of those two. Okay. Or Fish. I saw Fish, too. That was that must have been incredible. I got you. And I think for me, it would probably be uh, Death Grips, closely followed by Kendrick Lamar. The only thing that bugged me about the Kendrick Lamar concert is that his, like, backstage was, like, these really ghetto images and I was like that's not really what he was it like super elaborate I heard he has kind of an yeah. elaborate stage well his uh, his band was but he was kind of nervous actually believe it or not you know he seems kind of like he would be though he's kind he was... of an introverted guy and I think that comes through on his album because that was the I think the biggest um, held ticket concert that he had where people were just there to see him okay so it was he you could tell he was really off and he didn't really know what to say like in between songs but very <laughs> elaborate stage setup but death grips Holy shit, that was just... That was just a strange evening. Yeah. <laughs> but, so that's 2015 in, in music to yeah. us. Again, this is our just preferences. Mm-hmm. We're not saying any of these albums are not as good as the others, but... For sure, and it was kind of interesting. We had a lot of overlap Yep. Uh, on our, our top tens, just in, in some different order. I mean, our top twos were the same, just reversed. Yep. So, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, well. and honestly, Father John Misty isn't something I would usually listen to necessarily. Okay, but when I heard, it, I was just that—that's an album that takes you on a journey and kind of mm-hmm. does all that. But that's 2015 in music. Yeah, it was an awesome year. Yes, it was. 2016 has already started too. Yep, already some good stuff out. But mm-hmm. when we come back, we will do our top five documentaries, top five horror films, and then our top ten films of the year. Mm-hmm. So weekly neurosis, we will be right back. I love myself. The world is a ghetto because of Nicky's eyes. I love myself. But they can do what they want whenever they want. I don't mind. I love myself. He said I gotta get up nice and warm to suicide. I love myself. One day at a time. Don't go shy. They wanna say it's a war outside and a bomb in the street and a gun in the hood and a mob of police and a rock on the corner and a line full of fiend and a bottle full of lean and a model on a scheme. Yeah. These days of frustration keep y'all on tuck and rotation. I duck these cold faces, post up fee five four for faces. Dreams are It's a hard knock life. <laughs> well here we are, back into it. Weekly neurosis, the best of twenty fifteen. Now we're on to movies. Yeah. Kinda of what we I mean we we love music, but I feel like we like the big draw here with this podcast is the movies. Yeah, I think so. That's a big thing, but Um, We're going to be covering um, the top five documentaries, top five horror films, and then our top ten lists as well. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to kick it off with my documentaries. Uh, My number five documentary was the documentary Unbranded, which not so much the medium of it, but it's more so the imagery and kind of storyline of it. It's just really beautiful, Um, really, really stunning images. It's about four guys that go... And I think they ride the border from the border of Mexico or something like that. But just like hmm. mind-boggling, um, mind-boggling images. Cool. Um, my number fourth one was What Happened to Miss Simone, which is a documentary about Nina Simone and her life. Um, I, I was really drawn in by this because I've heard a lot about her. Um, but this kind of dives into her life and you realize she has had just a lot of crazy concepts of who she was going to be mm-hmm. and what she wanted to be um my number three was best of enemies i believe this was a netflix documentary okay uh, but it's about two uh people that debate each other two guys uh one they're both from the united states but you realize both of them are like 
totally ridiculous. Like they talk in this way that you'd think, oh, they're from England or they're from, he but they're not. They, they talk in this really odd way, but it's all about the, um, I think it was one of the Republican conventions. Um, <laughs> okay. and it's, it's about, that's the backstory, but then ABC's story of how they got these two men to debate, um, and how they just hated each other. Wow. Like all out, but it's a really good, you, I just watched this film and I was drawn in by how like bizarre these two individuals were. Um, number two was, was Amy, the okay. Amy Winehouse documentary. Mm -hmm. I, I thought this was excellent. And again, I debated really hard on one and two for this one or two for this one. Cause I think everyone heard that this was released and they said the exact same thing. Oh, we've already heard that story. Right. Uh, but this was a much, much deeper view i think it was wasn't it like eight years in the making or something amy? like that yeah yeah well and i like that they used how they used like her music and lyrics and stuff to kind of uh, push the story along too mm -hmm. I, I thought it did a really good job of, of making her career make sense yeah and uh, again it's trying to be spoiler free here but you kind of get the whole story of how she you know it, she wasn't entirely like this innocent person that got sucked into this life you realize she was very much kind of this moth that was drawn towards this light mm -hmm. and kind of destroyed herself, but then also the, the world kind of destroyed her the in The people way. she surrounded herself with didn't yep. help. Yep. Um, and my number one documentary was Cartel Land. Um, this is a, this was a end of 2015 release, uh, but this is a very, very raw, raw look at the Mexican drug border issue mm. and, and kind of from both sides. So there's one... U.S. guy who's in a vigilante, quote-unquote, group. Okay. Um, and then there's also a guy who's in the Mexican side who's in a, vi a vigilante group. But what this, why this documentary is so exceptional is that he doesn't, uh, the, the film producer filmed the whole thing apparently on, like, a, a camcorder because he didn't want to have a huge camera carrying around. Um, he, he never antagonizes the people he's interviewing. So right. they'll make these very bold statements, and then he'll just let them kind of be. Hmm. And he does a really good job of filming. So you get this very raw look into these two individuals um really deep story kind of scary in spots too i bet like the they show a very very graphic scene of a person getting arrested in mexico and if you think police brutality is an issue up here in the united states you should watch this documentary because it is like borderline shocking wow uh, even at one point the kind of hero orders one of his guys to, to actually kill somebody okay. and it's like really it's just really raw but it's it's addicting you watch that you're just drawn in by this documentary that sounds amazing yeah it was really really good really well done cool okay well i guess i'll go into the top five horror films of 2015 and this is like this is a genre of movies to me that's it's just it's ultra maligned every year and everybody says horror movies suck blah 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 but i i think a lot of people just don't understand that most of the great horror movies that come out every year do not get theatrical releases Correct. Uh, theatrical released horror movies are generally very tame. Uh, they're very cookie cutter. There are lots of jump scares and crap like that. And, and every now and then there'll be uh, some good ones. But uh, unfortunately with this genre, you really have to search for the best of movies. And there are a lot of great movies that came out every year. So some of the movies on this list may not be well known, but I'll do my best to kind of hint at what they're about and everything. Uh, so my number five was a movie called What We Do in the Shadows. This was kind of a horror comedy type movie that if you've seen something like This is Spinal Tap or any of Christopher Guest's movies like yeah. A Mighty Wind, yeah. uh, it's kind of a fake documentary about three vampires living together in a house. And it's absolutely hilarious. There's one 
Uh, the oldest vampire is like 9,000 years old, and he's kind of the Nosferatu type character. Kind of creepy looking, kind of the grumpy guy who lives upstairs. Uh, then there's like a the Dracula type character who's more the middle-aged one. Then there's like the young guy who just got turned into a vampire who thinks he's hot shit. It's, um, it's so funny, and it's just so clever, and uh, it, it's, it's just surprisingly violent in some parts. But seeing how these guys live together and deal with each other and... Like how they get food and stuff. It's just, it's it's really, really good. Sounds really interesting. It's great. Uh, number four, this was a, a theatrical release, a major theatrical release, and that was The Visit. Um, M. Light Shyamalan's movie, The Visit, which, uh, you know, most people know his name as a guy who started off really hot in Hollywood a couple decades ago in the, late, uh, in the mid to late 90s and kind of fell off a little bit, uh, started making some movies that weren't necessarily loved by a lot of people. And this was kind of more of a return to form for him where he wasn't doing a blockbuster or something like that. This was a found footage horror movie about two kids who go to visit their grandparents who they had never met before. Yeah. And uh, it's very it's surprisingly funny and it's got a lot of twists and turns and it was very, very entertaining. I was really surprised by how, how much fun I had with that. Uh, number three is a movie called Spring. And this was about, uh, this is actually kind of more of a romance movie than a horror movie, but mm -hmm. I think most people put it in the horror category. And I don't really want to say a whole lot about this movie because a, a lot of what's so good about it comes in seeing how it plays out. But ultimately it's about this American guy who goes through some bad things in the United States and has to leave the country. He goes to Italy um, and starts hanging out with people there and he meets this woman who kind of has these secrets about her and you're not sure if she's some sort of you know, creature or being or vampire or something or what's going on with her. But uh, this guy falls in love with her and then eventually they, you know, reveal what's going on there. And it's very unique. I'll say it's one of the more unique uh, horror movies I'd seen in a long time. I really liked it. Uh, number two is a movie that can be found on Netflix Instant called Creep. Mm -hmm. uh, this movie was like a complete stunner to me. Again, like almost every movie on this list, it's kind of funny. It's, it's, a, it's kind of a horror comedy. This one is, again, found footage. Uh, it's about this dude who goes, he answers a, a, a Craigslist ad to videotape this guy in his cabin, kind of in this secluded area, who is supposedly dying from cancer and wants his unborn son to have a chronicle of what his dad was like. But then you learn pretty quick that this guy might not be telling the truth. It's totally wacky. It's, it's hilarious, but it's really creepy, and it has like an insanely good ending to it. Uh... I would recommend everybody watch this. And it's really short, too. It's only like 75 minutes long, but I really loved that movie. Uh, and number one for me was It Follows, which yeah. was, again, it was a movie that uh, didn't receive a wide release at first, but it was so highly rated, and uh, so many people were talking about it that they did release it in theaters earlier in uh, 2015, and it's an absolutely, like, it's a masterpiece of horror movie. Of yeah. horror. It is so well made and it's so creepy, it has that synthesizer soundtrack I had mentioned before, um, and it's kind of about this this entity, this demon that's passed from one person to another through sexual contact, and it's kind of like the ultimate teen abstinence uh, uh, PSA, really, in some ways, but it's a terrifying movie. Like, very few movies freak me out, but this movie got under my skin. It's so well made. It, it's got, it influence, it's, uh, has a lot of influences from things like John Carpenter's Halloween um, some scenes like that, but uh, it's an incredible movie, so definitely check It Follows Out if you haven't already. Yeah. So those are my personal top five horror movies, but there's a lot more for sure. Yeah, and Netflix seems to be a big hub for horror, mm -hmm. at least that I've noticed recently. But Well, just because, like I said, so much horror is directed, uh, 
DVD or video now, and now Netflix is a place for movies like that. They mm -hmm. can go right to Netflix. Like a movie like Creep was actually uh, funded by and produced by Netflix. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a Netflix movie, technically. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of like that because these movies are generally smaller budget. They know they're not going to draw a huge audience in, in theaters, so Netflix is the perfect place for movies like that. Awesome. That's great. I agree with your number one. It follows front to back. Has the classic, you know, ending too that that really creeps you out. So that's yeah. I, I would recommend everyone horror fan or not see that movie. Definitely, because it's it is excellent. Mm -hmm. So we're now on to our top ten movies mm -hmm. of twenty fifteen. Uh, we'll do. Do you want to do honor, honorable mentions first? Sure. Why not? Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll do our back and forth like we did yep. with albums. My but my. Uh, Honorable mentions movies that just barely made my top ten were again it follows very close but not quite up there uh, the Martian uh, Steve Jobs Sicario Dope and Avengers Two Age of Ultron and I know a lot of people didn't care for Avengers Two or said it was disappointing but I loved it I thought it was fantastic okay um, and my honorable mentions were uh, The Big Short uh, Hateful Eight Straight Outta Compton The Danish Girl and um, yeah, Bridge of Spies as well. Okay, sure. So those didn't quite make it. So do the back and forth. Yeah, all right. I, I can start this time though. All right, cool. With... Okay, so so my number ten is a movie called Predestination. Um, this was a direct to DVD movie that was supposed to get a bigger release, but they didn't know how to market it. It stars um, Ethan Hawke and Sarah Snook, and it is an absolutely fascinating science fiction movie that I don't really want to tell you what it's about because it is a complete smack in the face of a mind fuck. <laughs> I mean, it's, okay. a, it's crazy. It's really good. It kind of reminds me of a Christopher Nolan movie in some ways, but it is absolutely fantastic. Awesome, awesome movie that hardly anybody got to see because of how they released it, which was a bummer. Yeah. Uh, my number 10 was Steve Jobs. Okay. Um, I just thought that it was so dialogue-driven. It's fast. It kind of just comes at you and doesn't stop. Um, but I thought the acting was exceptional. I thought Michael Fassbender, I think we talked about that last episode, how we weren't expecting him to be a good Steve Jobs. I thought he did an excellent job. Mm -hmm. um, again, really awesome cast that, that comes out and, and does their thing. Um, and this one, that was my number 10. Nice, nice. Yep. Uh, my number 9 was Love and Mercy. This was a uh, kind of an interesting take on a biopic about Brian Wilson, the, the one of the lead guys who was in the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. It kind of tells two different stories. It tells the story about him recording uh, with the Beach Boys in the in the '60s, their album Pet Sounds, and it also is a, a story in the '80s where he's older, played by a different actor, played by John Cusack, uh, where he falls in love with this with this girl and how his personal life is in the way and his mental state. Because Brian Wilson was a guy who had a lot of mental issues and stuff, and it tells both stories and it. Uh, it winds them together in a very interesting way and I love the Beach Boys music especially Pet Sounds so it's maybe a little bit lighter than some of the other movies on my list but I loved it I could watch it again and again okay uh, my number nine was Sicario um, I, I think that I, I read, thought very highly of this movie because of the feeling that it produces um, in the, when the movies start to finish you never feel that the characters are safe there's always kind of this sense of mystery and, and what's really going on uh, but again, just a really a raw film in certain spots too, where you know they so get intense. yeah really intense, and those are the kind of movies I like. But I thought that um, pretty much everyone in the cast did a wonderful job, um, kind of front to back. And Benicio mm -hmm. del Toro was honestly probably my 
my favorite in the film in terms of how just messed up he was. But yeah, yeah that was my number nine. Awesome. My number eight is Carol. Um, this was a movie that I think... I, I, these are the kind of movies I usually struggle with, these very slow period piece movies. But something about this movie just struck me in all the right ways, and it, it really blew me away outside of all the performances in this movie, which are absolutely... If there's any one thing everybody's going to like from this movie, it's the performances. Kate mm -hmm. Blanchett, Rooney Mara. Uh, Kyle Chandler is really good in this, too. Uh, it's just an, it's a really fascinating and extremely subtle movie about uh you know women who are they fall in love in the 50s a time where uh homosexual relations were not acceptable by any means and this movie kind of takes it a step further and seeing how it's even drawn into some of the legal issues that is going on in the movie but uh i thought it was just one of the most beautiful movies of the year and so well acted and just kind of a heartbreaking movie too uh, yeah. knowing that people had to kind of go through these kind of things a really great movie Awesome. And my number eight was uh, Beasts of No Nation, oh, okay. uh, the Netflix film. I, I just thought it was so, it's very intense. It's kind of, I didn't mention it before, but at least it seems like, from what I've heard, a lot like Son of Saul, which is a very mm. honest story about what this, this child, this small child goes through. Um, not really a, a pick-me-up kind of movie, but, you know, I Idris Elba is, is phenomenal. The little boy, I don't know what his name is he was incredible too. but he was incredible gorgeous movie too and it, beautiful 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 film yeah um again though really 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 intense yeah so that was my number eight for sure so my number seven is a movie called the lobster uh this movie didn't get a super wide release this year but it did get a, a limited release so i'm still going to count it as 2015 although you'll probably hear more about it at the end of 2016 mm -hmm. but i uh, luckily i was able to see this movie and um Hilarious, yeah. Strange, bizarre, incredible cast. We had Colin Farrell, uh, Rachel Wise, John C. Riley, in kind of an odd character. Ben Whishaw. Uh, just a just a st really strange movie. It's directed by a guy I could not tell you his name. He's a Greek director. He also did a movie previously called Dogtooth, which is one of the most confounding movies I've ever seen in my entire life. And this kind of follows suit. This movie is set in a alternate reality where they go to this. Uh, like this spa uh, hotel type thing and they have 45 days to fall in love and if they don't fall in love they get turned into the animal of their choice and it's just so bizarre and it's so funny and it's really a commentary on uh, relationships and how other people's expectations form how we act in our own relationships and I was just fascinated by this movie it was. I, I loved it I think lovers of black comedy will will love that film because there's a lot of dark humor deadpan humor just dead oh Good film. I should have had that as my honorable mention. I don't know why I didn't. I, yeah, to yeah. me, it didn't crack the top ten. But I just think, again, it didn't get a super wide release, but next year I think we'll hopefully hear more about it. Yeah. But. Colin Farrell was very good in that. Yes. <laughs> um, my number seven was actually Inside Out. Um, it, it, just a great delivery. It's, a child, it's supposedly labeled as a children's story, but it's very adult in the sense that it's talking about you know your emotions and how they control what, what you do and how you act and good good story kept me entertained for sure so yeah that was your number seven seven nice yes uh my number six then was star wars episode seven the force awakens uh you know we've talked this movie to death <laughs> so i'm not gonna say a whole lot just another great star wars movie yeah uh, 
certainly lived up and surpassed my expectations. It's one I'll be watching again and again and again. I'm so glad it turned out as well as it did. Yep. So that's my number six. This is really weird. My number six was also Star Wars Episode Seven. Nice. That is really bizarre. <laughs> Keep in mind, we did not communicate this no, beforehand. No, no. We kept this very secret. I just think, you know, kind of to add on to what you said, like, they, they picked up the story. Yeah. You know? Kind of like, you know, you'd pick up, like, a box in, in an attic and dust it off and reconfigure it to be something else. It's very, very unique. I'm, I'm beyond excited for the next one, but... Because I really think where it goes next will be really different. Really interesting. So I'm very pumped, yes. But I'm going to pick this one up on Blu-ray for sure yes. when it comes out. Day so. one. That right. was number six. Awesome. So my number five was a movie I just saw recently that I was floored by. These are actually, from this point on, these are all movies. These were the only movies I saw last year that I would give a 10 out of 10. Uh, Youth is number five. Uh, I couldn't okay. tell you the director's name. He, he's, I think this is his first English language movie, but this is a movie that didn't receive great reviews, but it just blew me away. If anybody knows the director, the, the, the classic director, Federico Fellini, he was an Italian director who did a lot of very uh, kind of progressive and artistic movies in the 60s that are considered important. This movie reminded me a lot uh, of some of his movies, and it's about uh, these two older gentlemen, one of them who was a composer and one of whom was a screenwriter in this kind of uh, super white-collar resort-type thing in Europe, and kind of everything going on and the weird people who are going in and out of it and uh, they're trying to figure out what's going on and their relationship. It's just a bizarre movie. Like, I saw it once and I was so, like, swept up with it and how beautiful the movie was, how well filmed it was and how funny it was because it was very funny and strange too. But it was just all the kind of weird, quirky, artistic beats that I like in movies. And uh, it's one I don't think I have a full grasp on yet, but it blew me away. So that had to be my number five. Yeah, and I actually didn't didn't see that, so I'll have to I'll have to view that. Um, my number five was Carol. Oh, okay. um, you already spoke on it, but I was I was absolutely blown away by the acting. Mm -hmm. Just you know the and the exchanges between Kate Winslet and Rooney Mara, uh, but just the story too. It's so deep in terms of you know what was going on at that time and who these people are. Basically, who they were was a crime and an abomination in the eyes of the public. Yeah. Um, so to see that story, to to witness it, it was good. But front to back, I think I, don't, I couldn't pick out anyone. I mean, of course, there's bit actors in the film, but mm -hmm. anyone who had a major role did it a phenomenal job. What blew me away with, with Carol, too, is how it's one of those movies where if you sit and look at it just on a base level as a movie, there's really not a whole lot that goes on in it. Mm -hmm. It's really kind of a very quiet eventless movie in yep. a lot in a lot of ways but it's so subtle and the way it paints the portrait of these two people who you get a real sense at the beginning how complicated their lives already are yeah and then this wrench gets thrown into it where they fall in love and they can't be who they want to be because they're told it's wrong and this and that and uh, the one character is going through potentially going through a divorce and how this goes into play with that it's just it's a super dramatic movie but yeah. it's not corny it's not it's very subtle yes yeah yeah. And Rudy Mara did a great, a wonderful job in the film too, because she's kind of getting pressed to, you know, to become married and by men, and you kind of see her forcing herself. She's always, she just appears to be uncomfortable throughout the whole film, yeah. Except when she's with Carol. So it right. really good, really really good film. That was number five. Nice. So my number four then was Inside Out. Uh, this is my favorite Pixar movie in a long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you said, just kind of an ingenious, very clever movie that is is packaged as a children's movie, but uh, is every bit as entertaining for an adult, I think. It's an extremely emotional movie. 
just so creative. Yeah. Some of the different situations and things that go on, how they personify emotions and all that stuff. It's just so clever. Uh, it's never boring. It's incredible to look at. Just a super entertaining movie. One that I feel like, like a lot of the movies on this list, I could watch over and over again yeah. and always find something to enjoy in it. So. I think the voice casting too is so phenomenal. Louis Black is anger. Yeah. Can you name a better There's casted role all year? No one better. And, and depre <laughs> depression doesn't get a lot of hype in the movie, but or isn't it sadness? Sadness. Sadness. It was actually Phyllis from The Office. Mm -hmm. Right. I couldn't think of anyone better. I really couldn't think of anyone better yeah, to she do was that. Good. She was really good. Um, but yeah, my number four was Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. And I, you know, I think you kind of pushed me to see this, but I was kind of like, it's another action movie. You know, I've seen I've seen this before, but then I watched it and I was just absolutely blown away. I remember watching it, being in shock. My wife and, and I watched it, and I was just like, oh my god! And she went to bed and I watched it again. Nice. Just to be like, what is this? It's so it just totally, and only once in my life have I ever like totally tripped on ice. And when yeah. you do that, like you lose total control of yourself. That's what I felt like that was. It was such a just it punches you in the face like five times as far as a film goes sure and the thing i think mad max does so well is that it doesn't tell you it, there's no exposition in the movie whatsoever no but what's going on is ridiculous yeah you were you are dropped in the middle of this post-apocalyptic world where there's this crazy group of people who are worshiping cars basically and this crazy guy with this weird armor and everybody's there's deformities over it gives you no information as to how or why any of this stuff happened and you just get dropped in and the movie is just a non-stop action sequence but there's still enough story and everything that you're rooting for the characters yeah but, uh, yeah just amazing and the score you mentioned it too really primal like yeah. there's that guy who's like attached to the do warrior is what he's yeah and he's like just the guitar guy jamming out and doing his thing but that was my number four nice and my number three was spotlight and uh yeah this is one we've talked about quite a bit just yeah. uh just an amazing and, and dramatic uh, movie about journalism and, and, and this story they, they uncover about the corruption and secrets being held in the Catholic Church and the negative, in, uh, the negative consequences it's having on the community and how widespread of an issue that uh, really is and how it, the movie is so good at inter, uh, in, intertwining all these different characters' stories and backgrounds into making just a coherent and just unbelievably entertaining movie. I think of all the movies I've seen this year, I would probably say it's the most important in terms of a movie that has a message that a lot of people need to see. Mm -hmm. uh, just an amazing, amazing film. There was, and the acting, again, just front to back, everyone. And it, what I liked about that movie is everything felt real. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you're like, I'm watching a movie, then other times you're like, you know, I watched that movie and I was like, they're talking to someone who's probably actually from Boston mm -hmm. and who's like, a real like you could probably go find that character right <laughs> in real life but um but yeah my number three was brooklyn okay. i think wow. um I, I i really highly regarded this movie because of the acting um seisha i think I, it's, it's I can't see or whatever but she she is amazing the supporting cast is amazing again you get that real feel like this is happening um, and you get this kind of like she's fighting. She she has a very com she's a very complex character, and she's kind of fighting for this what she wants to do in her life. And again, acting front to back, amazing. I, I really 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 liked this movie. Yeah, Brooklyn. I I didn't say it in my honorable mentions, but if I did like a top twenty, it would be in there for sure. Yeah, I really appreciate a because it really ultimately is a romance movie, mm -hmm. but it is not corny. 
it is so dramatic and yeah you really are along for the ride with the character and you know what decisions she's going to make and I, I appreciated that. I think uh, kind of how, like how, how I had Love and Mercy on here. I think Brooklyn is maybe a little bit of a lighter movie, mm -hmm. but that shouldn't take away from how good it is. It is, and it's phenomenal. And even at the kind of at the end, kind of trying to begin spoiler free, you, there's the hook at the end, kind of the arc in the story. Yeah. But when that arc occurs, you have no idea what she's going to do. And you're honestly, I think any person who watches that film in full, unless you're like a sociopath and really messed up, would be like, what, what are you going to do? Like, oh my God, like it's a shocking moment. You're like, what's she going to do? Where's she going to go? And well, then... I will say without, again, without spoiling, I'm glad she made the decision she did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was my number three. Yeah, I really like that one too. So my number two then, and okay, my number one and two, honestly, they, they're they tied for number one as far as I'm yeah. concerned. But I had to put things in sequence. I couldn't decide. So I, I'll explain after I get to number one. But my number two is Mad Max Fury Road then. Okay. Yeah, and we talked it up already, but just an imaginative, ridiculous piece of filmmaking. The amount of creativity and passion that went into making this thing is just unheard of. Mm -hmm. It's so amazing to watch. It's so entertaining. It's action-packed. It's got characters I care about. It builds this world without trying, without spelling anything out for you. It's just there's nothing else like it. Yeah. I was just blown away by it. Yeah. And me, I'm in the same boat, too. My, my one and two were really close. Um... Number two, I had to go with The Revenant. And even now, it's like paining me to say that. I know, that. I know. But just amazing. Like, you feel you, you feel like you're there. The music, the acting. Like, Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't talk for like 20 minutes, and the whole time you're blown away. That's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. that, that that can happen. Um, but just, from, again, front to back, cast acting was was amazing. And yeah. Dom Hall, from, again, Dom Hall Gleason, Tom Hardy, Leonardo DiCaprio, all create these this world and it's almost it's almost unbelievable in a way mm -hmm. but really a really honest look at what happens and uh the bear attack is probably one of the more graphic raw things you'll see this year absolutely well and yeah so that goes into my number one is the revenant i uh yeah everything you said there is on point i just was totally floored by it it was a, just a gut-wrenching movie to watch and sit through and I think I the, the reason I think I would give this the slight edge over Mad Max Fury Road is just because I think while I think ultimately Mad Max is a movie I'll watch more often because mm -hmm. it's just a more in your face entertaining movie I think The Revenant has more to say um, but it in a lot of ways is just as entertaining and as, as exciting so I think it maybe has a little bit of an edge in terms of its message but uh, yeah The Revenant was just I mean there's there's no way around it I think it's a masterpiece it blew me away I think Mad Max and The Revenant, those two movies are the movies where I can walk away from 2015 and say those are the masterpieces of this year. And it's like this really emotionally charged movie and you get the sense like, again, the, the, the dude who did that documentary didn't like interview people. It was just these people talking and giving him material. I feel like this was a really like intense story that they like took it and rolled it out like dough. Oh, yeah. And just let you kind of like go with it and it just amazing the characters i don't know if again it's and it's not so much the main acting which is amazing but like these little bit actors that they bring in who are supposedly like the victims like they either they're from boston or they're from, i think they were like local people but yeah even they're like it's just so real you sense like you get the the sense behind like this evil and it's just like we we had that as the theme was mm -hmm. was evil because it's so 
disgusting, but they like deliver it, and you don't leave the movie feeling great. No, really. Really, with none of these, do I feel no? Great. But no, uh, you know what? I take back what I said about The Revenant and Mad Max being the two movies I would be hard pressed to see some. Mm -hmm. No, the spotlight, spotlight as well. Yeah, is a movie where if somebody were to walk up to me and be like, "That was a bad movie," I would be like, "You're wrong," and walk yeah. away because. It, it's so good. It's just so well made. I totally can see how that would be a number one movie. It's incredible. But you know what? I was kind of reflecting on these movies, um, and not and not all of them fall into them, but my top two, even three movies, and a lot of the movies on here, there was like a common theme to movies this year. And I would argue that there was the common theme of movies we saw this year was survival. Yep. We saw something like Mad Max, which was just raw, like, the Mad Max and The Revenant, which were about raw survival. People put into crazy situations, doing everything they could to make sure they survive mm -hmm. uh, and move forward. Even though there's a lot of questions in those movies about, well, you know, what's the purpose of continuing if this is what life is like? And even something like Spotlight, in a lot of ways, is about survival. And Star Wars certainly has those kind of themes in it uh, as well. But I just kind of thought it was interesting that my top two movies were bo both so explicitly about survival. survival. And I, I honestly, if, if I look at my top 10, everything, Spotlight, Survival, The Revenant, Survival, Brooklyn, Survival, Man Max, Road, Survival, Carol, yeah. essentially Survival. Even Inside Out. Even Inside Out. Really the only one that's not is Steve Jobs. For me, that was a top 10. Because he's not really surviving. He's You're just seeing kind of what his life is like. Sure. But yeah, I think that is a really common theme. It's just really weird that I, and I think, you know, we kind of mentioned this last week that when it comes to movies and stuff that we both were on the same page that a lot of movies and, and music and art in general kind of reflects on the, the group think, the mindset of society in general. And I think seeing a theme like that kind of maybe hints at how, what people are thinking about uh, in the world. Uh, not necessarily that <laughs> things are so bad that we need to worry about survival, mm -hmm. but these things are on our brains, I think. And, it's kind and they're, of interesting. they're intriguing to us. Sure. Like the the TV show The Walking Dead. Like that's right. super pop. That's ex that's entirely about just survival, and that's Absolutely. a huge theme. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if that carries over into 2016 and yeah. kind of you know that whole feel. But good good year for film. And I think you two last week you you kind of touched on it because we're going to cover the the Oscars in our next episode. Mm -hmm. How you don't feel confident you're going to be able to nail like 80 percent of the categories or whatever. That's, that's a sign that it's been an, an excellent year in film. It's very unpredictable in terms of the... Yeah, and actually, as we sit here now, the Oscar nominations are out, but we're not going to talk about nope. them today. Next episode. Yes. But great year. This was hard. I have to say, this was very, very hard. This was the hardest top ten I think I've done in a long time. Yeah, even, even down to music. Um, yeah. Going through that and, like, my top ten, even as we recorded this... And I said it, it was almost like it was written in permanent marker then at that point. But I still, like, I could probably go and listen to all those albums that I listened to again. And I'd be like, well, I should probably move this one into the top ten. Well, we change as people, too. In five years, I could re-listen to all ten albums or ten movies or re-watch all ten movies. And I could watch Mad Max again in ten years and be like, well, this is d the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Like, yeah. people change. Yeah. You know, we all evolved. And, and as we as we were talking here, this is how we feel but yeah these things are never written in permanent ink i don't think yeah so certainly we'll see movies in the future it could be 10 years from now and i see a movie that was released in 2015 that i had never heard of mm -hmm. that blows me away and could have fit here yeah that's just how it works that's how that's <laughs> life yeah but this, this has been awesome for sure this, this is, is cool. a this is a good time and we'll we'll post these all on on facebook let's okay. do that so you, you just send me your list and we'll 
Sure, we'll publish them. Just so. publish them out there for because there is stuff in some of the albums you listened or you mentioned. I definitely want to want to hear. Check out. So, yeah. 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 Good time. Good time for everything. Stuffs. But yeah, this is the the best of 2015 albums. Movies. Movies. Maybe we'll move into art. I don't know what we'll do next, but paintings. Paintings. That's got to be like no, impossible. No, we're not going to do that. I promise. Everybody listening. How do you rate like one painting? Above how do you now? How do you objectively talk about a painting on a podcast? There's. It's probably out there. I've got to think. There's podcasts about painting. Okay. Touche. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but this has been fun. Yeah, this is cool. I liked it. Weekly neurosis. I'm Nate. Ethan. And we're out. Toodles. <laughs>